Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can continue to worship you. Thank you for the, the sweet sound of followers of yours who sing out the praises of our worship to you in such a beautiful way. Thank you for the prayers that your saints are lifting up now to give worship and praise to you. 
God, I thank you now that as we open your word and continue to worship you through the written word, I pray that the living word of God, Jesus Christ, would be lifted up high. That God, we would continue to truly and genuinely connect with you give our worship to you in a powerful way as we look at your word now. As you speak to us, our answer is yes. As you convict our heart, our attitude is to repent. As your voice is clear, clearly spoken to us today, we yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen. invite you to open your Bible with me to Mark chapter 1. We started last week in our journey through this gospel that we call Mark, and we continue with that journey today. Caring, caring about people is one of the greatest joys of life. And that begins with loving God above everything else in life. You can't truly love God without loving people. And you can't truly love people without loving God. And so they work together. John Wesley's motto was, do all you can by all the means that you can and all the ways that you can and all the places that you can to all the people that you can as long as you ever can. <laughs> I like that. But I would like to just add one statement, simple phrase at the beginning of that. In the name and in the power and for the glory of Jesus, do all you can by all the means that you can and so forth. So caring about people is, is a very high life value. I hope you have that high value in life. It's good to have friends. Uh, it's even better to be a friend because when you are a friend to other people, you're going to experience that you have more friends. We all are better together in life. No one is an island. We're all meant to do life in community, and that's one reason why church is so important. That's one thing over this past year why it's been so difficult for us because Doing church has been harder than at any other time in my lifetime anyway. But the value is still there. Life is better together. A friend of ours a number of years ago moved to the upstate, and this week I was standing about 10 feet, fortunately, from my wife when she got this text message. It says, this is Scott. Just wanted you to know how I loved and respected Ronnie. I heard that God had called him home. Our prayers are with the entire Bird family. <laughs> well, I guess that's what happens when you stop publishing daily prayer thoughts. And that's incentive for me to reboot that process. So tomorrow, if you're on my mailing list, you will get, you will get an email from, from me. But at least if, if Scott is a prophet, I'm ready to go. I'm not in a hurry to get there, but I'm telling you, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So you have your Bible open to Mark chapter 1. I invite you to turn there with me as we continue to today 
to work our way. We're going to just be working through a day and a half in the day of Jesus. And so you're going to see how rapidly he moves through life in accomplishing his mission. You heard it read earlier that Jesus entered his ministry proclaiming that the kingdom of God is here. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus spoke those words. And so Jesus, in fact, was particularly saying the kingdom of God is here. Here I am. I, I, I am ushering the kingdom of God into this world. And the beautiful thing about that statement for you and me today is we have the opportunity to join with Jesus and serve with him in the kingdom that he ushered into this world with his coming. And so today, we want to look at serving with Jesus. And that means four things. So let's just dive in and look at these four things that serving with Jesus means straight out of this text. First of all, serving with Jesus is a partnership. It's a partnership. We see that in verses 16 and 17. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. So what would you do if someone came into your very successful business and asked you to post a sign on the front door that said, closed, and leave your successful business behind and follow someone that you had never seen before, never heard of before? That's exactly what happened to the first disciples of Jesus. Now, the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and 7 miles wide. In fact, on a clear day, you can stand on one side of the Sea of Galilee and see all the way over to the rough edges of the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's fed on the northeast by the Jordan River that flows down from the mountains of Bashan, that we read about in the Psalms the last few years, those, those fertile streams flow into the Jordan River, and the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee. And on the southeast end of the Sea of Galilee, the water flows back out into that same Jordan River. And so you have a constant flow of fertile water flowing in. And so the, the, the fish in that area are abundant in large numbers. And so the fishing industry in the first century, just like it is today, was a very lucrative business. A large quantity of fish, a large variety of fish, thus many fishermen. And so two men, Simon and Andrew, were busy making a living. And by the way, they were making a good living. They were not paupers. They were making boatloads of money in their fishing trade. And they heard Jesus call them. Jesus invade their life in a language that they could understand. Now think about that for just a minute. The voice of Jesus call them in a language that they could understand. We have many different vocations, many different backgrounds, many different cultural experiences represented in <clears throat> this audience today. And when Jesus calls you, 
He calls you in a language that you can understand. He gives you an opportunity just like he did his early disciples, Simon and Andrew, to hear his voice when he calls. He is calling this morning. He's calling. And my question to you is, are you listening? Are the antennas up for you to hear the voice of Jesus as he calls? Because as he calls, he's calling in a language that you can understand. And just like in the first century, he needed and was looking for servant leaders to come alongside, servant partners to come alongside him and serve with him. Jesus needed servant partners to experience his authority. Jesus needed servant partners to witness his power. Jesus needed servant partners to join him in sharing the gospel in the first century. And ladies and gentlemen, students, Jesus needs partners today to experience his authority, to witness his power, and to share the gospel message to our generation today. So, what do you hear Jesus calling you to be today? What do you hear calling Jesus calling you to do today with your background, with your resources, with what he has blessed you with? See, knowing and following Jesus is all about serving in partnership with Jesus. You don't have to create the game plan. He's already created the game plan. He's put you right where he wants you to make the most out of your life in serving alongside with him. So are you willing? Are you surrendered? Because that's all he asked from you. Simon and Andrew were fishermen, and for them, servant partnership meant using the skills that they had developed as fishermen to draw other people into partnership with Jesus. And whatever skills you have developed to make a life can be used today to draw other people into making a life of following Jesus. Jesus supplies the authority. That means that nothing is more important than you hearing him call and being willing to make all of life about him. The Bible records that God called and used people with artistic ability, with architectural ability, with administrative ability. God called athletes. He called bankers. He called bakers. He called boat makers, candy makers, carpenters, debaters, designers, embalmers, embroiderers, engravers, farmers, gardeners, homemakers, leaders, legal professionals, Managers, machine workers, masonry workers, people who made weapons, people who have medical skills, music gifts, needle workers, painters, planters, philosophers, inventors, retirees, sailors, salespeople, soldiers, tailors, tax collectors, teachers, writers, as well as fishermen. My point is, Whatever your vocation is, if it's an admirable vocation, an honorable vocation, Jesus wants to call you into partnership with him to use where you are living and where you are serving 
to be in partnership with him. The question is, are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to say, okay, God, like in verse 17, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. See, Jesus supplies the resource. I will make you become. He will do the transformation. He will do the changing in your life if you're simply willing to send, surrender your life to him. So have you done that? Are you doing that? Are you willing to say, I'm just a homemaker, but I want to be a homemaker who glorifies Jesus. In my opinion, there's no higher vocation in life than that. And whatever your vocation is, whatever your advocation is, God wants to use it for you to come into partnership with Jesus. Secondly, serving with Jesus starts with obedience. We see that in verses 18 through 20. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So Simon, Andrew, and then James and John all had the same response to the call of Jesus. Their response was to immediately, no hesitation, no reservation, immediately leave what they were comfortable doing, leave what they had been trained to do, leave what they were supplying the resource for their family to live on to do, and follow Jesus. They heard Jesus call, and they immediately followed him. Now, you might want to note here, I'm not suggesting that you leave your vocation to follow Jesus. That's not my call. In fact, there were more people Jesus left doing their vocation to follow him than he did telling those to leave their vocation to follow him. What I am saying is whatever Jesus is calling you to do, you need to be able to hear his voice. Do you know him? You have to know him and listen to him and hear his voice when he calls. But when he calls, whatever he calls you to be and do, you need to be obedient. Servant partnership with Jesus is not about what you don't have. It's about surrendering what you do have to know and follow him obediently. See, no one can be a true servant of Jesus Christ without being 100% obedient. 1% disobedience is total disobedience in following Jesus. How many of you, raise your hand if you served in the military. Let me see your hand. Keep it up. How many of you own a business? Let me see your hand. Some of you might have to go like this because you served in the military and you own a business. Okay, you can put your hands down now. When you work for someone who is a leader, a superior in the military, when you work for someone in a business, you choose to surrender your will and agree your will to the authority of either the commander or the owner of the business, right? 
And that's all that Jesus asked. Simon and Andrew and James and John did not hesitate to obey the initial instructions of their new authority. Jesus became the authority in their life. Now for a moment, I just I want you to put yourself in, in the father of James and John's life, Zebedee. He had raised his two boys and taught them everything he knew about this lucrative business that he had of catching fish and selling fish. No doubt he had in his mind that he was going to take that family business and he was going to hand it over to his sons and they were going to take it and they were going to expand it. And along comes someone that they had never seen before, never heard of before, and with the authority that he had in his life, he called James and John, those two brothers, to leave their father and go follow him. Now think about that from Zebedee's perspective, the father's perspective. I love what he did here. He didn't go chasing after them. He didn't go begging them to come back and think about what they were doing. He blessed them. He honored them by saying nothing about them leaving to follow Jesus. One minute they were thriving in their very lucrative fishing business. The next minute... They were leaving all the comfort and all the training that they had to, to follow Jesus. And he let them go. He blessed them. And the faith and example of this father is extraordinary. Now, if you're here today and you're a parent, there's a message in this for you. Zebedee set a great example for his two adult sons to hear the voice of God and obey the voice of God and follow the voice of God. They radically changed the direction of their life in following Jesus, and yet he blessed them in that. In fact, I believe that the objective of every great parent is to see their adult children be obedient to the call of Jesus in their life and 100% be obedient to following Jesus. And that's what Zebedee did. He committed to letting them go and follow Jesus. Now Simon and Andrew and James and John were successful, busy people. And when Jesus called them, the Bible says that they abandoned the plan for their lives and they left the wealth and success of their jobs to make all of life about Jesus. You can do that too. You can say, today, I want to give my life totally and completely to Jesus. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, the first step is to admit that you are separated from God by your sin and just cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner and I, I want to repent of my sin. I want to change the direction of my life from following my way of life to following your way of life. I want to be obedient to you. I want to give my life to you. And I want the rest of my life to be all about Jesus. So, some of you can pray that prayer right now, and I trust and pray that you will. When Jesus called, 
Andrew and Simon and James and John immediately left their life behind to follow Jesus, to find a new way of life, a better way of life. And their father blessed them in that adventure. They modeled what it was like and what it is like to make life more about making a living, to make more about making a life than making a living. The priority became Jesus first. Thirdly, when serving with Jesus, serving with Jesus activates the authority of Jesus. Activates the authority of Jesus. We see this in verses 31 to 34 as we move rapidly through this day and a half with Jesus. They went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. Now, Capernaum was, is a city today. You can go and visit today on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a very busy town. Uh, it was even busier back in the first century. Many people who were in the fishing trade li lived in Capernaum. In fact, uh, Simon Peter and Andrew lived in, in Capernaum. Uh, the Sabbath is sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, which is the Old Testament Sabbath day, the law that's the day that's set aside to give honor to change pace and give honor to God. And on the Sabbath day, uh, many times in the synagogue, which was made up of uh, anytime you had 10 adult men in a community, you could form a synagogue. And so there were synagogues spotted all over cities like Capernaum. And in the synagogue, there would be scribes who would come in and they would take the, the law, the scriptures, and they would expound on the scriptures. That's what was happening here. They were in the synagogue teaching. In verse 22, they were astonished at the teaching of Jesus, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Now today, a scribe might be identified with someone like a, a seminary professor or a college professor or a teacher in high school or elementary school. <clears throat> but you know, as I know, that there are two kinds of teachers. There are good teachers who put their life into it, and there are others who just teach academics. Evidently, there were many scribes in the first century who were just teaching academically. And when Jesus taught with authority, when he put his heart and put his life into it and brought the scriptures to life through his teaching, it caught people's attention. Are you aware that will be true in your life today as well? I mean, you can show up and go to church on Sunday and be a quote-unquote Christian. Or you can live it. Monday to Saturday as well as be inspired and encouraged on Sunday. And when people look at your life, it will be as though you have authority because you're practicing what you're preaching. You're living with the authority of Jesus in your life. See, the teaching of Jesus had authority and today it has authority. There's nothing greater than the authority of Jesus. Nothing. And teaching with authority of Jesus draws attention to Jesus. I don't want my teaching to bring attention to me, to focus on me. I want my teaching to bring attention to Jesus and bring focus to Jesus because He is the authority in life today. And teaching with authority draws attention to Jesus. 
That can be true about your life as well. Now here's what Jesus taught us on this particular day and a half in his life. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so as Jesus was teaching, immediately he had an opportunity to, to demonstrate how much he cared. Look at verse 23. Immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him? What a lesson this is for us today. See, Jesus has power and authority over everything in life. And that includes evil spirits. That includes demons. And today in our culture in North America, many demons and many evil spirits express themselves through addictions that we have, drugs that we take into our body. Any kind of addiction... Jesus has authority over any addiction that we might have. And here's the wonderful thing about that. When we yield to the authority of Jesus over any addiction that we have, any evil spirit that we have, any demon that we have, any way it expresses us. See, the purpose of a demon and an evil spirit is to draw attention away from Jesus, to draw attention to that demonic activity. It undercuts the glory of God. And when you yield to the authority of Jesus and allowing Him to give you power to overcome the addiction that you might fall victim to, you have the opportunity in giving glory and victory to Jesus to be a billboard for Jesus of how He does work to overcome any authority, any power that might try to overtake your life and overtake his authority in your life. You see how that works? It's a beautiful picture. So if you're battling with any kind of addiction today, let us help you turn to the power and the authority of Jesus so he might get the greatest glory possible from your life. What a beautiful picture. Your Jesus story can spread the fame of Jesus like wildfire. Look at verse 28. And at once, at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Jesus cares about everything that's going on in your life today. Do you know that? He cares. And he will rescue anyone who's perishing from any evil force in this world that's trying to take the glory of God away from your life and point it toward that activity that's happening in your life. So sincerely call out to Jesus today and let him express his authority over anything that 
is taking authority over your life. Verse 29, immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately he told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve him. The flow of events here again is incredible. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was ill, evidently very ill. And Jesus healed her. Again, Jesus was demonstrating to his disciples that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But he also was demonstrating that the, the healing authority is in the hands of Jesus. So accepting the authority of Jesus, accepting the authority of Jesus is the key to abundant living. Jesus chose to heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law, but Jesus didn't choose to heal everybody. Being totally devoted to the authority of Jesus is the key to abundant living. Jesus chooses to heal some. Others, Jesus chooses not to heal. But whether he chooses to heal or whether he chooses not to heal, the glory goes to him. He has a purpose behind it, as we'll talk about in just a minute. And so accepting the authority of Jesus is the key to victorious living. Victorious living begins with serving with Jesus because as you follow us through this little gospel we call Mark, you're going to see that, that serving was a big deal with Jesus. It was a, a primary deal with Jesus. He served everywhere he went. So if you stay with us over the first part of this coming year, you're going to discover how often he served and how often he encouraged those who were his disciples, those who chose to follow him, were servants. In fact, if you're in one of our bridge groups, this, this week we kicked off starting a study through the book of Philippians. It's going to run parallel with our study of Mark. And the very first verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 um, Paul and Timothy identified themselves as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God the Father. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's going to be your MO as well. You're going to be a servant along with Jesus Christ. Verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Don't let demons get a leg up on you. Demons know who Jesus is. Don't let another moment of life go by without knowing who Jesus is and bringing Him alongside of you so that you can serve with Him in life. 
See, the mission of Jesus was much bigger than exorcism or healing people. And he knew that. But these acts, healing and exercising demons and those kinds of things, actually validated the ministry of Jesus in the first century. But that wasn't his primary mission for being here on earth. In fact, we're going to see today that you know, that could have been a hindrance to the major ministry of Jesus because that wasn't the primary reason he came. It validated his ministry, but it wasn't the primary reason he came. So what was the primary reason he came? Look at the fourth point. Serving with Jesus is purpose-driven. Serving with Jesus is purpose-driven. In verses 35 to 45, verse 35, we see him rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The life and ministry of Jesus was marked by his constant link of communication with the Father through prayer. And your life is going to be much greater blessed and much more efficient and much more victorious if every moment of every day of your life is marked by a constant link with God the Father through prayer. In fact, the effectiveness of the ministry of Jesus was powered by his priority of prayer. And his connection with God the Father was a, a constant source of spiritual and physical strength in his earthly life. And that can be true about you and me as well. A number of years ago, Gail and I were going through a major transition in our life. And God connected us with a godly ministry couple who spent weeks pouring into us and guiding us and encouraging us right here in this local community. The power of that entire process was prayer. No doubt, was prayer. A few years later, I, I called that elderly mentor who moved down here after retiring from uh, making a living teaching Hebrew. He, he was so much above me intellectually and spiritually. I just wanted to learn from him. I just wanted to draw from that source of strength. And so I called him and asked him if, if we could get together and reconnect. And he said, sure. He said, meet me at my office at 5 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> well, that began a process in my life that have very few days have gone by since then. That I haven't followed his example and met with the Lord very, very, very early in the morning. And I promise you, your life will be powered more with that connection, following the example of Jesus, of making every moment of every day a prayer connection with God the Father. But in the middle of this prayer, Jesus was interrupted. Does that surprise you? Right in the middle of his intensive prayer time, he was interrupted. Verse 36, 
Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. See, interruptions and side street demands will challenge every effective servant's prayer life. There'll be so many other things that you can be busy doing, so many other things that can feel like you're pushed into doing by other people or pulled into doing by other people that you think a lot about, that you neglect that, that prayer time. That was true with Jesus. He was pulled away, but he never forgot his purpose. Jesus knew that his primary purpose was to preach the gospel, and so nothing distracted him from accomplishing this mission. In fact, look at verse 38. He said to them, Let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. See, Jesus ushered the kingdom of God into this world so that he could preach the gospel. And before he ascended back into heaven, after he completed his mission here on this earth and went to the cross and was resurrected and spent 40 days here on this earth with his friends and followers, he passed on that commission for you and me to also preach the gospel. Not just professionals, not just ministers, so unquote, unquote, but every believer has the commission from Jesus to have the purpose that he had to spread the gospel. Let us go to the next town that I may preach there, for that is why I came out. See, the priority of preaching for Jesus was prayer-driven and purpose-driven, and therefore his life and ministry and preaching was powerful. It was powerful. It was effective. Verse 39, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and Casting out demons, and a leper came to him. Now hold there a minute, a leper. Leprosy was a dread disease in the first century. There was no cure for it. There's very little leprosy in the world. I've seen someone with leprosy back in the middle 70s. I've seen how it took away the face of a young lady, destroyed the look of her arms and legs and body features. It's almost extinct if it's not extinct today. But back then, if you had leprosy, they pulled you out of community. They pulled you out of contact with people and put you in a colony with other lepers. That was your life. Isolated from community, isolated from the rest of the world. Up until a few months ago, we had no identity with this, but today we do. We know what it's like to be asked to quarantine and separate from people. Imagine that being your whole life. That was the life in the life of a leper. And so in verse 40, a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Move with compassion. He stretched out his hands and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. 
And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing for Moses commanded for a proof to them. So here was the deal. Jesus wanted this man to be re-engaged in community. He had been healed. He was totally well. But Jesus knew that in order for him to be re-engaged in community, he had to follow the Mosaic law and go to the priest and present himself to the priest so that the priest could proclaim him to be clean so he can make an offering to the priest and he would be proclaimed to be clean. Jesus did that because of his compassion for this man. He wanted him to experience community and he wanted him to re-engage in community life. And so he told him to follow the prescription and he did. But notice, this man, he was healed by Jesus but he did not obey Jesus. Look at verse 45. He went out and began to talk freely about it and so spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. People were coming to him from every quarter. It's critically important to obey Jesus. Obedience is a big deal. It's never appropriate to disobey Jesus. Your best intentions, like this man, must be filtered through the commands of Jesus. So again, I close with this. It's critically important that you stay in touch with Jesus so you know how to obey Him. He may do something great in your life and say, don't tell anybody about this. If He says, don't tell anybody about it, Obey Him. It's in His best interest, in your best interest to obey Him. It may be, though, that He does something in your life and He says, tell everybody about it. And so obey Him. If He says, tell everybody, tell everybody. Purposeful service for Jesus must be aligned with prayerful obedience to Jesus. And the only way you can follow that prescription is to know Him and be willing to obey Him. No one can be a true servant with Jesus without being 100% obedient. So that's a day and a half in the life of Jesus. And next week we'll pick up from here. But we have some very important application points to make this morning. I was driving down Bypass 17 recently. I was in the center lane, and in the left-hand lane, there was one of these great big uh, off-road vehicles that had a, had a big tire cover on the back, and it had a message on that tire cover, and here's what it said. It said, don't follow me, you won't make it. And the way he drove off, I believe he was 100% right. <laughs> but listen, Jesus has just the opposite message. Jesus says, follow me. 
It's the only way you can make it in life. Some of you have been going through some very tough times recently. I know that. And there's no better time in your life to follow Jesus so you will make it. Because I promise you this, without Jesus, you won't make it. Especially when you get beyond this life. So there are four questions I want you to ask yourself this morning. And you might want to write these down and ponder them as you get home and look at them over the next few days. First question is this. What does Jesus expect you to leave behind to prioritize following him? For some people, it could be the language that you use. It could be the way you spend the hours of your day and invest the hour. I mean, I don't know what Jesus is asking you to leave behind, but if he's asking you to leave something behind, if he's asking you to get out of the boat and follow him, what does he expect you to leave behind to prioritize follow him? Second question, what prevents you from following Jesus immediately and wholeheartedly? Third question. How can you validate the ministry of people you love? Bless them like Zebedee blessed his sons. He blessed them by letting them go. Yours might be blessing them by bringing them in. I don't know, but God knows. And if you'll spend enough time praying, He will reveal to you what you need to do to bless other people that you love. And here's the last question. Who's your one? Who's your one? At the bottom of your outline, your worship guide, there's a web address there. I want to encourage you. I don't give you assignment many times, but I want to encourage you to go online and type in in your Google search, this website or in your browser, put in this website and look at both. There are two segments of Malachi's story. Segment one is about five or six minutes long. Segment two is about seven or eight minutes long. Fifteen minutes of investment. I want you to watch the story of Malachi. A 12-year-old boy who was personally responsible for hundreds of people coming to know Jesus. 65 years ago this week, missionaries Jim Elliott and Pete Fleming and Ed McCauley and Nate Saint and Roger Udarian were murdered in Ecuador. They were sharing the gospel. They were missionaries sharing the gospel in Ecuador and their lives were taken. Interestingly enough, shortly after they were murdered, all five of their wives went back to share the gospel, and that whole village came to know Christ through the witness of those wives whose husbands' lives had been taken by the very hand of these very men who murdered their husbands. Jim Elliott, you remember, said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
The North American Mission Board tells us that there are 366 million people in North America. 350 languages, 14 different religions, 275 million of these North Americans are without Christ. That means one out of every three people you see, or two out of every three people you see in your neighborhood have no relationship with Jesus Christ. This coming year, we want to challenge you to get on board and begin today just to pray and ask God to reveal to you who the one person is. I'm talking about one person that you can write their name down and begin to pray for them and pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them so that they might come to know Jesus in this coming year. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for Jesus. I thank you that you came into this world bringing the kingdom of God. And we don't have to expand the kingdom. We don't have to grow the kingdom. We don't have to build the kingdom. What we have to do is obediently hear your voice when you call and know you and follow you. God, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would work in the life of a person here who's never responded to the gospel, who never has said, I admit that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And today I, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I repent and turn away from my sin and I want to spend the rest of my life making all of life about you, Jesus. God, I pray that there would be a person today who would pray that prayer. And then for those of us who know you, I pray that we would put a big sign on our back and put a big megaphone in our mouth to say to the world around us, if you want to know what it's like to know Jesus and follow Jesus, listen to what I have to say and watch how I live and follow Jesus by following me. God, I pray that you would begin a revival in this world today that would shake the world. I pray that you would begin that in me. And in each one of us, in Jesus' name now, we continue to worship. Amen. Let's stand together and continue.